0: Log Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Huda Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic, Teaneck, New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Deacon Millett of fouraltars.org in the high desert of California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of of templeofmiriam.com in Seattle, Washington bringing us today's topic of incense in the Bible. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo conjure, root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Deacon Millett. Ms. Kat?
1: Hi. Thank you, Clifford, for that nice introduction. How are things in your world?
0: Oh, we're having a heat wave over here in PNAC, but I've been cooling down by cleaning up my office over the past week. Things are
1: good. (laughs) That's good. Cleaning up your office while there's a heat wave. That seems like a, we've been having this Mercury retrograde thing. Um, I just got hit with the other end of Mercury retrograde today. Instead of all communications failing, all communications coming in at once and just jamming up the phone lines, the uh, <laughs> Facebook direct messaging, the texting, the you name it. it's It all came in at once today. It's been kind of strange. Um, so... Yeah, Mercury retrograde. It it never rains, but it pours. Well, um, other things new here. Let me see what's new. I um, I finished the dolls book. I knew it, I think I mentioned that already last time. I am back at work on my Patreon pages on really obscure stuff. So this time for my patrons, I put out a web page on curses in the Um, in the 19th century these curses were collected from recently emancipated slaves in 1875 by black women teachers and this is they were at Hampton um, Institute well was Hampton Normal School whatever you want to call it it's now Hampton University and they had originally started as part of the Freedmen's Bureaus uh, which was to teach literacy to black people and they had black teachers, right? And then they were teaching teachers to become teachers, right? So they were kind of bootstrapping the educational system of, of formerly enslaved people. By 1875, they were having people doing written compositions. And one of the written compositions that the students had to do was on, what do you know about conjuring? <laughs> and it was just, just amazing that they did that. They didn't publish it for 20 years. In 1895, um, there were two women, Leonora Heron and Alice Bacon, and they were both by that time, uh, we, we, we might call the professors of education at Hampton University, but it wasn't a university at the time. It was still Hampton Normal School. So they were teaching teachers. And they had a, a magazine that they published in Hampton called The Southern Workman and Hampton School Record. And they were also doing um, trade school work there. So they had a whole journalism department, a printing department, publishing department, and the Hampton School Record and the Southern Workmen were these two magazines they put out. Eventually they were merged. So in order to give um, articles to the magazine about black culture, um, Mrs. Heron and Bacon decided to bring back these collection of, of hoodoo curses from 1875 and publish them in this extremely low circulation um internal magazine for their for Hampton students. Anyway, I I have put it out. I have um written some a uh, little bit of um kind of, you know, explanations of some of the terminology, because it's, you know, it's getting pretty old now, it's 1875. But I am so happy to be able to bring black collections of folklore of the black community to the public, because there's this, this unfortunate belief that until white anthropologists paid attention to black culture, it was not, Relevant, And that is not the case. This was preserved from as soon as possible after emancipation from slavery. So just wonderful stuff, and there'll be more of it to come. I'm very much dedicated to getting all of it out there, but this time it's how to kill people. <laughs> it's it's like a whole <laughs> two, dozen, two dozen death spells from 1875. Many of them have similar ingredients, similar ideas, and uh, very well presented. So that's what I've been doing. I, I did that for my Patreon uh, uh, supporters. You can become a Patreon supporter, $2 a week, and you get all this good stuff. So, And one year from now, it'll be made available to the public. I don't keep it hidden forever, but I do need those Patreon supporters to help me you know, get the money to spend on these pages. Uh, time is money. So that's what's been new here, working on... Pres- um, getting everything together for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. probably talk about that a little bit later. How about you, Deacon Millett? Oh, I should explain. Uh Man is not here. He's our uh, usual co-host, and um, he's not here because he's in the process of moving. And he had an appointment to view um, a place, and they changed the time on him. And at the last minute, he called us up and said, i got to go do this other thing. So... Who who should lovingly, sweetly, and happily appear? But our old friend Deacon Millett. So, Deacon Millett, welcome to the uh, co-host spot.
2: (laughs) Well, a pleasure to be here. Thank you for waking me up
1: um, to uh,
2: (laughs) spells of death and destruction. (laughs) I happened to open my (laughs) inbox as I was reading my morning (laughs)
3: coffee.
2: It
1: was really um, quite a fun. Fun way to wake up for me anyway. Um, uh, the best here, part of waking up the best part of waking up is toad's uh, heads in your cup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: exactly. <laughs> well, um here the the weather has just been so strange. Um it it started half an hour ago, lightning, thunder, a deluge. After a 90 degree day, and now it's it's gone down to 68, and um, the weather in Baltimore is um, interesting to say the least. Um, I'm looking forward to being out in the desert in California um, this time next week um, and uh, seeing how things are there. At least I I know the humidity will not be at this at this level. But other than that, just um, pushing along, got got a fun book to proofread. And I don't know if you've announced that book officially.
1: Have you, Ms. Kat? Um, Yes, I did. It it is definitely now called um, Hoodoo Dolls and Effigies.
2: Well, I'm enjoying it immensely, particularly the historical stuff, um, which to me is... uh, always particularly yummy. This is one of those things that I think a lot of um, people should do themselves. I get a lot of requests for puppets and, and doll babies, and I'm looking forward to just recommending people to a book and saying, you know, I, I think you can take care of this one yourself. Um, so uh, thank you very much for putting it together it's appreciated. Well, and that's another thing that I feel like as a Patreon supporter, I got to help you do.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because writing that book was also completely supported by Patreon contributions. It really makes a difference, right. folks. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dee. you always say something nice about me, and I appreciate that. Um, I I want to say something nice about you in return. You're a a darn good proofreader. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I try. I'm having to blow things up larger and larger, it seems, to catch commas and periods. But um,
3: mm-hmm. as long
2: as my eyes hold out, I, I do enjoy doing it. It's a it's an odd little quirk of my mind that I can go along a line of text and not be reading it for comprehension, but for weird stuff that pops out at me as being wrong.
1: Yeah, the, the, wrong, the wrong thing. Yeah, well, um, we have today a guest, and this is going to be Dr. Jeremy Weiss. So um, before we get to our topic, which is incense from the Bible, let's say hello to Dr. Jeremy. How are you today? Oh,
3: hello.
2: Hi, everyone. Hi, Miss Cat, Hi, Deacon Miller. Hi, Clifford. Hi, Shiva this is uh i'm so glad to, to be on the show. I'm yeah.
1: So, i know that you've been working hard on stuff for the uh Hoodoo Heritage Festival uh, presentation plus your own um work at the Temple of Miriam. Uh could you just just give us a little catch up on how your week was? What what did you do this week?
2: Oh my goodness. I i have really been uh um kind of stepping it up a notch for this Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Um, I hired uh, a friend, uh, a colleague, uh, a a very interesting gentleman to help me uh, more professionally put together my my videos uh, for this year's Hoodoo Heritage Festival. I'll be speaking about uh, not magic. (laughs) No, no. K-N-O-T magic, not uh, <laughs> N-O-T, right? Um, that doesn't come out right on the radio. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so I have been, uh, I, I've been just putting scripting and, and shooting and making videos and putting together the kits um, uh, uh, th- that will go for the festival boxes. And it's just been a great, really exciting time. And then at the Temple of Miriam, We have been uh, putting together and and releasing all of our workshops uh, singly, so you can buy them individually now. Um, So we've added a lot of individualized courses to our uh, teaching armamentarium, and I've been blogging like crazy. And uh, it's so funny that you mentioned that you were assembling all these spells that were about uh, death because my spells, I've been busy assembling spells, not how to cause death, but how to cheat death. So, you know, maybe they could have a spell off. You know,
1: (laughs) your, your spells to cause death versus my spells to cheat death. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny that's funny well you know these um these old um uh, material as um as deacon said you know i he likes the historical stuff i i uncover uh, much of this stuff speaking of them having those those spells in their collection for 20 years before they published them i have stuff that i've had in my collection for 20 30 years and i'm just getting around to publishing it now and um it's it's so interesting to um work with material from the deep past of magic not just um not just what some tiktoker said or some facebooker or some instagrammer you know like oh look you can burn sage you know but really where where our ancestral roots our historical roots our cultural roots come from so you're bringing us a topic which goes right to that matter, and this is incense from the Bible. Now, I want to say a little thing about it before I bring you on, because you're going to be the one who's going to actually present the material. Um, the Bible is known for the fact that there is incense in it. It's kind of a, a big deal in the in the Jewish Bible. In the Christian Bible, that's um, still there, but there are sects of Christianity which deprecate um, incense. In fact, if you were to do a search at Google on incenses of the Bible, you would find it wants to serve you up helpful questions you might ask. And one of the helpful questions that Google thinks is important for you to ask is, is it okay for Christians to burn incense? And mm-hmm. when, I saw, when I saw that, I went, what? But they actually had some proof text that said burning incense if you didn't love the Lord was vain and bad. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're supposed to love the Lord or you wouldn't be a Christian. I mean, really? <laughs> so, But apparently there are abstemious Christians who don't want to burn incense. And that got me thinking about incense around the world. And I don't want to go all around the world because we're sticking with incense in the Bible, particularly Middle Eastern incense. But it got me thinking about incense having a religious quality to it as well as a magical quality and we see revivals of the use of incense when we find forms of magic that are more religiously grounded and this could be said of um, Mayan Guatemalan folk magic as easily as Chinese folk magic and the folk magic of many cultures involves the burning of incense but it's culturally ancient. It is not something that people right now are as cognizant of as they used to be. And I find that um, (laughs) uh, interesting, just interesting. So uh, without any further ado, how about you take it away, Jeremy, and tell us about um, Incense in the Bible, and then we'll pitch in with some questions and comments
2: yeah sure,
1: sure. I mean I, that's uh, that, that is, I mean, when you mentioned
2: that uh, there are certain um sects of, of Christianity that you know um, have concerns, yeah I understand it. It makes sense. I, I mean, I can always find a group of people who have a concern about one thing or another but i I, mm-hmm. I i it didn't i didn't but you're right i you know i'm as an outsider not being christian you know i always think uh what comes to mind is the, the uh priest walking down the center of the uh church right with a, like a little swinging pendulum that has some incense thing in it you know yes, and swinging the center. it oh. terrible mm-hmm. yes exactly Right. I mean, you know, I'm an outsider. So, I mean, I so mm-hmm. I didn't I thought I thought of it as as part of the tradition. So, uh, so to learn, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe there are people who question that, uh, you know, it surprises me but uh not so much, I
1: guess. <laughs> um you know well, you know can I just butt in here because it, I, I'm an outsider, but I'm um, a very observant <laughs> outsider, <laughs> yeah. so the the use of the thurible and censor in the Christian and Orthodox faiths was really deprecated during the Protestant Reformation because they wanted to strip everything down and remove the trappings of priestcraft from the pastor who now just becomes a, a lecturer, right? And so the burning of incense was seen as romish or papish or popish depending on what language you spoke. And that uh is one reason why in the evangelical mega churches they don't use incense. They've they've left it behind as an Old Testament thing, but you see, they also follow the Pauline doctrine that the Old Testament was obviated with the coming of Jesus. So, fuck that, right? Well, yeah. But but as happens so often, the people who retained much of the Jewish tradition were the Baptists, who actually were ex-Catholics who and ex-Lutherans who went to rediscover. Um, the uh, Hebrewisms, we could say, the, the Jewishness of the Bible. And so the Baptists pay more attention to the Old Testament. Therefore, among Baptists, not in their churches, but in the folk magic of Baptists, you'll find the burning of incense. And so in books like um, uh, The Master Book of Candle Burning by Henri Gamache, there's a Bible open to a psalm and there's a little bowl of incense open on the altar and that is both Jewish and Baptist. It's kind of interesting. Right.
2: Yeah, that, that's right. That is another, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of those mm-hmm. common, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Common, So, well, oh, well, it's interesting, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's Smell being what I, I I hate to say this five senses because I know that there's more than I don't agree with that statement actually I I believe that there's many more than just five senses right you've got your sense of balance and sense of time and sense of gravity and sense of space and sense of where you are in space and so uh, and your sense of humor um sense you know sense of self but we can go on and on but but people like to group that we have five senses which is taste. Smell, you know, touch. And those, you know, smell being one of the, we, we, uh, humans have been busy uh, n- noticing, you know, the, those uh, sensory alterations in all their forms, loud sounds, you know, music, mm-hmm. and, you know, smell. Sm- and smell does stuff. And um, uh, it, it's interesting, uh, the idea that smell, um smell might be uh, mm-hmm. not allowed uh, in the, uh, one of the Christian traditions would be um, it's a little bit surprising because the first time we really read about that is, I think, in the book of Tobit, right, With, uh, mm-hmm. where smell is being used, a bad smell is being used to drive out demons.
1: Right.
2: that's mm-hmm. a that that's a fear, that's a good that would be a that would be a positive. So that's the very first I think the very first use of, of, of smell was to get rid of something you know, was to use a bad smell to chase out demonic influence. And then and then we're then then what's what what comes about is, is smell for all sorts of veneration.
1: Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm.
2: and sensory alteration, right? Pleasant smells, smells to induce love. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, myrrh and, and frankincense, mm-hmm. acacia,
1: Yeah. Well, uh. you know, there's a there's an idea here about um, the the as I said, the religious aspect of incense is so important in the Bible as originally written that there's this whole institution, the altar of incense. And if you look at the little pictures that we put up for each show, if you look at the top of the show, you'll see in the circulation of slides, there's a picture of um, an artist drawing, it's drawn by a man named Charles Dawson, of a, a man, a priestly Jewish guy burning incense. There's a funny story behind this picture. The picture was used by the uh, King Novelty Company, Famous Products, to advertise their incense, and they, for some reason, hyphenated the word frankincense. It was called frank-incense, and that piece Mm. of art was used. But in my historical research, I found um, I had a friend who collected antique Bibles, and I mean really antique Bibles. He had Bibles back to the 1600s and 1700s, and uh, some of these beautiful illustrated German Bibles of the 19th century, and he was showing me them, and I went, Oh, my God, there's the picture that Charles C. Dawson ripped off to make Frank. We call him Frank Incense, right? (laughs) So that was a trip and a half. I then wanted to make a label with it because I was like, so that, this is really cool because it was like first was published in 1882. I then hired um, a comic book artist friend of mine named Steve Leoloa um, who is half Jewish and half Hawaiian. You can't get any better than that. And he he redrew the Charles Dawson thing because I didn't have original art and the scanning technology was not good then. And so he, he redrew it. So now it's our frankincense is Steve Leoloa's redrawing of Charles Dawson's redrawing of an anonymous German guy drawing an illustrated Bible showing the altar of incense. So it's a tradition that I'm very proud to uphold. But what we see with that is that there were certain incenses that were recommended and there were other incenses that were named in other ways. So how about, Jeremy, if you run us through the incense, what is the temple incense?
2: Ah, okay so um the the temple incense uh is uh a, a incense that was used for theurgic you know to to burn in the temple and the various rites and and um it it was it, it it made smoke which was like a mimetic rendering of the smoke covering mount Sinai and and, and it was to, um, it had a couple of purposes, one of which was, uh, you know, like if you were in the temple that, uh, it was so, uh, the supernal light would be difficult. It, it would help, help shield the supernal light, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, the, the ingredients you've got, uh, kinemon, right? Cinnamon, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then they name cassia, and you and I have talked about about this, and and, and myrrh, uh, and fragrant cane, uh, okay. uh, and, and, which is all all very interesting. And and, and we know that uh, the, the cinnamon is, is, is cinnamon, and, and the cassia is cassia, but there's a lot of discussion about what the the fragrant cane uh is is really what that what that really means. Mhm.
1: Yeah. So in the in the um book of Exodus there's an incense that's listed as having four ingredients. And um these are there's some little i mm, how can I say there's some dispute about what these meant at the time. So yeah. to make temple incense, you know, you're you're supposed to have these resin incense. You're supposed to have these things. There's even some idea that some of what these are um, is uh, that they are um, not available anymore. So one of them is is stacte or nataf, and it is a Greek term that just means gum resin. So what was it? And there's a lot of thought that it was a Greek an Anatolian storax. But no one knows for sure. Stacte could be like something like storax. Um, Then there's this onica, or however you want to call it, which is thought to be um, benzoin, but may or may not Mm -hmm. have been benzoin. Then there's um, galbanum, which is um, definitely a member of the Um, fennel family and this is um, related to sometimes called giant fennel fennel and um, and it's related to asafoetida, and this is either extinct now or almost extinct there's a whole lot of stuff about why this giant fennel was so valued um, I just recently saw an article about how the climate change was really responsible for it dying out, not just so much over-harvesting. There were patches of it, wild fennel that grew, uh, you know, maybe 200 miles long by 100 miles wide in one valley. And then as climate change happened, it, it just died out. And it was used um, ornamentally as well as uh, for an incense in um, the ancient Mediterranean. The, you would... Carry a stalk of this giant fennel. It, it had a purpose and a meaning, but it also had an, a smell. So that is one of the things that would be difficult to reproduce. You could use fennel, but you know. And then another one, the fourth one, is frankincense, and which is in the Boswellia family. And um, this is um, frank incense. It really means French incense. Frank means French, but it's not yeah. from France. Um, and it It's found in, it was, in
2: Arabian Somalia, really, in India.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now, frankincense appears at different places in the world with different species. There's also yeah. an American version of it called copal oro, or the, um, the it, uh, golden copal. Copal is a brown incense that is related to myrrh. And copal oro is a form of frankincense that appears in uh, Central America. So these I know it right as Boswellia
2: uh, uh, thirith right? Yeah, thrift,
1: right, right. Thrift. Meaning may meaning bearing incense, thrift, like thurible and yeah. incense, uh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Yeah. So. So these incenses were available locally, but if benzoin would have been very hard to get. This is the whole question about was it benzoin or was it not. Was it another name for another fine... This whole thing about benzoin being called Styrax and mm-hmm. um, liquid amber being called Storax. We know that the liquid amber is killed out in Greece and there was only a little bit of it left in Anatolia or Turkey. It's now in a nature preserve. There's not much left of those trees. But benzoin comes from um, Sumatra, and it is would be an awfully long way for people to have brought that to uh, the borders of what now would be uh, Judea, Israel, Lebanon, Syria, that area. It would have been very difficult to have gotten it. So there's some thought that it actually was another refinement of the Greek and Turkish storax, which makes more sense to me and going back to the idea about cinnamon versus cassia those are two species um cinnamon is um the more cinnamony of the two as <laughs> <that's> the best <laughs> way i can describe it but cassia <laughs> cassia has a lighter sharper tone to it and yeah. if you bl- if you blend them they make a really nice blend just cassia by itself not so much for me but just cinnamon very strong and will hurt your skin, and is more damaging than cassia. So, um, people talk about blending them, and that probably is, you know, why they were mentioned separately. So yeah. we have to talk about a little bit about what um, myrrh is. Could you could you just get into myrrh and why myrrh is mentioned in the Bible?
2: Yeah, myrrh. Um, that's really that's one of the most valued biblical scents exodus twenty five um and uh, abraham uh who abraham of ur is the patriarch of the jewish tradition uh is symbolically identified with myrrh in in the song of psalms actually mm-hmm. um uh, in the, yeah in mm-hmm. the and um it's a uh it stimulates peacefulness it's um uh, it's uh, associated with relaxation and, and sensual love and uh uh women would uh, uh step on little vials of myrrh as men would b- walk by and the the fragrance would of course turn turn their minds to love so it has little opiate like qualities and uh, actually, I think you have a story
1: about crushing up myrrh and
2: passing out
1: one. Yes, I I passed out. If you had come by and taken a photograph of me like Amber Heard did of Johnny Depp, you would have found me curled up in the <laughs> on the floor with <laughs> myrrh all around me, just like that pathetic little fetal position picture of Johnny Depp. I felt so sad when I saw that, but that's what I did. I just fell over, and I began to lie down more and more until I was lying on the floor all curled up because myrrh is an opioid. And so is it's it's strong. Yeah, it's very strong. It's it's New World um, analog, which is copal negro or black copal, is used as an incense offering to the gods in the Mayan tradition. Depending on which village you're in, they may make flattened uh, discs, kind of lentil shaped but bigger, or flattened like a um, a red blood cell, or they might make spheres. And um, these are formed by hand as you you know, harden it up and make these, these uh, uh, package, packaged myrrh, as you, you could say it. And it is burned on charcoal. And it is called its, and it means incense, and its is the food of the gods. And all of those who have lived in the Bay Area know what its its is. Um It's It's is a fabulous ice cream sandwich. But every time I hear the word It's, I always think, yeah, It's It's. <laughs> <So, laughs> the gods want incense. The gods demand incense. And so it is with the Jewish God. He demanded incense. So let's take the next question. What, <laughs> she would just posted Chad ice cream sandwiches of the gods, yeah <laughs> um, yeah um but so let's let's talk about um why was incense supposed to be burning tender? what was the purpose of it, and why do magicians use it to this day why why
2: uh, why I mean I, why did magicians use it to this day i I mean I think it's associated with. So many different theurgic acts. Uh, it's widely applied to, to to everything from protection, blessings, aphrodisiacs, you know, uh, uh, exorcisms. It uh, comforts the soul. I mean, I think it's been adopted as a as a almost incenses have been adopted as a theurgic. Mm, I don't want to say panacea, but it's it's pretty darn. Up there is part of of mal- magic and religious rites across the board. I think cross culturally, yeah. So, mm-hmm.
1: uh, I, and yeah. I, I love your word theurgic because that that means having to do with deities. And so again, we come to the idea that um, incense is used in theurgic magic more than it would be, say, in uh, those spells I spoke of earlier from eighteen. 18- 75, which involved chopping up toad heads and putting them in people's coffee. Um, there's a different quality to incense spells, incense magic. And you usually would be burning incense, um, it, the way it makes patterns, the way it ascends. There are people who read incense, by the way, read the smoke for images. Um, capnomancy. It's called cap- Capnomancy. and there's um, there's the idea of lifting your prayer up, upward. And people also will burn papers on incense and um, and have petition them go up. And fiddle. Now, yeah, petition petition papers, name papers, prayer papers, yeah. Burn them on yeah. incense so the smoke ascends to God's heaven. Now, these incenses in the Bible, and we haven't, I don't think, even named all of them. There may be some more, right? Um uh, those instances in the Bible are um, used for um, offerings. They are offerings to God. They're not often used to accomplish something. That's why they're theurgic. You don't say, I'm going to burn this instance and make this person fall under my dominion. It's not a common thing to do. You would be usually making an offering. What is interesting about hoodoo and how hoodoo incorporated um, Christian ideas and also Asian ideas about incense is that the secularization of magic in the Christian black community led to the creation of things like uh, domination incense. And these incenses are were sometimes, when I was young, were said to be used to set the scene. But they weren't an offering. You're not offering domination incense to God. You're offering domination incense to set the scene so that you are surrounded by the essential oils, scent, smell, and breath of domination, or whatever it might be, confusion, whatever it might be. And also... Because incenses were made in various um, bases from different cultures, for instance, um, sawdust-based incense or pressed um, uh, incense in coils or in rods from Asia, pressing the incense powders onto thin bamboo slivers like the Agrabati incense of India, all of these types of incense began to supplant resin incense. And the Bible is dealing in what I would call pure resins primarily. These are not um, highly um, processed incenses. So to burn resin incense, you have to burn them on charcoal or a bed of charcoal or a charcoal tablet. And this became an extra step. That with the beginning of the 20th century and the introduction of these Asian incenses, which uh, obviated that extra step, you didn't need to have the charcoal. You had to get incenses in some form that it will light. The little bamboo core will burn on the agarbatti, and they became very popular. A sawdust incense they added saltpeter to, to make it be self-burning and although it burns better if you put it on charcoal, in my opinion. But then, once you have a sodist incense, you begin to burn herbs as incense. And burning herbs as incense is also ancient, but it is more directed toward your effect and less as an offering. You don't, for instance, generally, you know, burn alkanet to give to God. You'd burn alkanet for luck and gambling or protect your money, you see. So some of the herbs, when burned, produce very little scent. Others produce a huge scent. And then we end up with what I call atypical incenses in hoodoo. For instance, burning red onion skins on the stove. Well, it smells like onions. So that is that fun No, but it's the redness of it. It's red, and red is very sacred in African-derived traditions. Or you can look at people who take orange peels and put them on their stoves to scent the room with citrus, with orange, which is a cleansing and clearing scent. So that's not an offering to God. That's a room fragrance which sets the mood of the room. So let's get back to Bible incenses again. Do you have any... Um, recommendations for people on how to and should they make copies of Bible formulas, for instance? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> well, they're not supposed to. Uh, that was one of the big rules there in, in, uh, in Exodus that you're not supposed to be burning the temp, the uh, uh, the incense for the temple, temple incense. For any other purpose other than that, uh, and mm-hmm. and that's just it. And so it's not for any secular purposes. You can't use it to make yourself smell nice or or to to make stuff happen. It was just that that was that was, and that had to be made by a at the time by professional um, incense makers who had who who held the secret super secret formula. Um, which uh of the the Keter, Keteret, that's the temple incense Keterit, and uh uh and they they were that was the house of ab and and they they were the group of of perfumers and incense makers and they 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 had secret measurements and weights of how much it was of this and that and the other and how how long it was supposed to stew together and and, and create it. and I think in about 2000 and 2020, uh, we they found. Uh, I ro- I wrote a little uh, a blurb about the, the fact that you could see it in Scientific American um, uh, that was published that they found some burnt um, uh, temple incense, and they were in the 60s. And finally, technology has has caught up. And they've been able to do a sort of retrospective analysis of na- uh, now in the year 2020 uh, to, as to what all the proportions of what, what you know, is. And there's some surprising ingredients, apparently.
1: Yeah, well, um, this is a whole – I mean – the question of what flowers are mentioned in the Bible, what shrubs, what trees, what incenses yeah. are mentioned in the Bible, has given rise to there. an entire, yeah, an entire cottage industry of very seriously minded researchers publishing competing theories um, for oh, the last yes. mm, 150, 200 years. You know, there's I even have a book called "Fishes of the Bible." Okay it's for oh, real. Yeah.
2: Well, the rabbis wow. have been fighting about what the formula has been has been for, you know, going back millennium. So mm-hmm. uh yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a subject of, you know, debate. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a subject of faith, that's for sure. Um there's um there's a a lot of um thought given for how does god receive incense i've always wondered about that you know it's its um yeah does he have a nose yeah god must have a nose or maybe god just simply has a great molecular sensor you know well that is a um,
2: nose a molecular sensor <laughs> yes. would be a nose i mean and you come on now that's what it is i mean
1: if well, you might it, that's yes. what we would call
2: it you know
1: yes volmeric right. glands of the gods um, yeah. This actually led me, when I was young, a little side note here, too. You know, I, I'm sure everybody, when they hit some age, realized that dog and God are inverse words, right? Dog God. <laughs> um, and uh, dogs have this great sense of smell. And I thought that, well, maybe maybe the use of incense, the sacredness of incense proved that God was a dog <laughs> because dogs have such a great sense of smell.
3: <laughs>
1: That's what happens when you're a teenager just growing up in the middle of a bookstore and going, hmm, I wonder about that <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, using incense uh, uh, Oh, and another one we didn't even mention was cloves Can we mention cloves? Oh yeah, of um,
2: course
1: Yeah. Cloves are also mentioned in the Bible as an incense, but they also have another use, which is that cloves repel the evil eye. And uh, to take fresh cloves and pop them on charcoal. Now, why are you popping them on charcoal? Because you're making incense out of them, right? Yep. Yep. And they they pop on charcoal, and that explodes the evil eye. And then yeah. that is related to not related to um, botanically, but um, in terms of process or technique, that's related to um, a or harmal um, or esfond, or however you want to. I mean, every region calls it something different. Which is a little plant, otherwise known as Syrian rue, which is not rue at all. It's its own little thing, but it is a little plant that makes a hard shell. It's in the desert, a hard shell around the seed. And then it um it explodes when you put it um on charcoal. And it releases an incense of fragrance, a smell and smoke, but it also releases molecular compounds which are antidepressive and tranquilizing and actually are similar to those found in what would people call second generation um uh, antipsychotic drugs as opposed to the kind that they currently use. So it, this is a, a, a an ancient thing. And this is another idea. When we talk about Sumatran benzoin, I'm always going, wouldn't it have been easier for them to have gotten some um, a spawn from Iran or Iraq? <laughs> I mean, it would have been much easier. <laughs> um, as far as the, the meanings of what, what these incenses are, cloves became used... Um, in folk magic among Jewish people, even though it was also used in incense, but it was used in folk magic to repel the evil eye and incense was then swirled around the the handling of incense is something else that when we think of Frank on with his altar of incense and all the incenses going to God, the Middle Eastern method of swirling the aspond around the head um, with these seven Circles representing the seven uh, spentati the archangels, the seven days of the week, whatever the seven sacred planets, and doing that, that then becomes the idea of sensing people to purify them. And we see that in the Catholic Church, this swinging of the thurible. but in older Masonic um, tradition, there the sensor is swirled around the head of the person who's being initiated. There's also the idea of sensing a place with, for instance, sage or rosemary or whatever it might be. Some of the sensing that's done has a psychedelic or psychotropic um, quality. We mentioned that myrrh is an opioid and not a mild one, by the way. You know, just Kids don't do this at home. It's not safe. He'll end up in, curled up like little Johnny Depp on the floor. Um, so, but there are other um, uh, psychotropic drugs that are found in herbs. One of them is thujone. It used to be called thujone A, thujone B, th- the thujones, like the twins. But now people just call them all thujone. Um, so thujone is the uh, is a, uh, a molecule. Family set that is similar to um, the cannabinoids. It's but it's weirder. It's a little it's, not so friendly. It's mu- mugwort and mugwort right. mug, is This which is
2: why mugwort, you know, is for dreaming and psychic dreaming uh, because of the the that's
1: food
2: right. Yeah, I that's
1: mean, right. All, this, and, all and, and thujones are also found in thuja. That's a plant, a tree, the yew tree, which is called the funerary tree. Thujones are found in sage, southernwood, mugwort, um, eucalyptus. Um, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's it's found in the drink absinthe. Now, yeah, the, the use the use of thujones to produce altered mental states is ancient, ancient, ancient. And that brings us to um, cannabis, which is. Also, ancient, 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 and it's actually a little more pleasant if one wants to speak as a connoisseur of psychotropic incense. I would say that cannabis is much nicer. And if you go back to, like, um, oh, the ancient Scythians, they had these little woolen tents, and they would, you know, light the cannabis up, up, and then they would stick their heads under and take a big breath, and then pull out, and someone else would go in and breathe. This has led to, weirdly, and I'm going to say, freaking weirdly um a weird nineteenth century claim that the um the temple incense of the Bible contained cannabis um or that the um holy oil contained cannabis, not able to be proved but it it was like one of those um fake news well, that- stories. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, there's
2: some thought. I actually think that there's some, 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 some you know, decent thought uh, behind it because where I think where they're getting that, where that comes from, is that uh, it, 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 there's a few things that have sort of coalesced, right? You've got this this word uh, for cinnamon right, which is kinamon okay. in Hebrew, mm-hmm. and you, you've got, and, and it really in the Bible, they, they call it kinamon beshem, okay, beshem because beshem means fragrant, like beshemin spices,
1: mm-hmm. beshemin mm-hmm.
2: is just fragrant, <laughs> and then you've got cassia, which is kidda, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then they have this thing called canabeshem, okay, that's one of the ingredients and cannabis means just fragrant cane so mm-hmm. um so i think people then associated cannabis with cannabis right cannabis mm-hmm. and that and, and they were not uh they're not incorrect in thinking that hemp and cannabis was indigenous in the Levant region at that area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh,
1: there's there's I, I get where they're going with this. I get where they're going, you know, but I'm yeah. saying they haven't yet proved it. It's to me, it's a it's a, a story I think that was very popular among edgy people who you know liked the idea of a mood altering substance uh, in their incense, which is fine. But it it just because cannabis was used religiously all over by the Scythians, and you can find it in the permafrost mm-hmm. that's slowly unfrosting all over Siberia. That doesn't mean it was used in, uh, you know, King Solomon's temple. It no, yeah,
2: been, I it, agree. I I I I I do agree with you. I I agree with you. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to explain a little bit about where where you're if you go if people go then. From here, and then go searching on the internet and stuff like that. What they're going to find is, and and the, uh, and and the you know they're they're that's what they're going to find,
1: yeah. So find that, leads us, that leads us. to making our own sacred incenses, um, because obviously they the, the formulas as they say are religiously guarded, right? Um, mm-hmm. In the Book of Exodus, it says, "Don't make this unless you're going to use it in the temple," and yeah so then you have some play some leeway so one of the most famous incenses when i was a kid was called three kings brand and it had the three kings of R, you know on it with camels and um, and was you know a little bit of frankincense, a little bit of myrrh, and a little bit of God knows what dyed red. Um, I always wondered about what the God God knows what dyed red was. Um, uh, gum arabic. I don't know. It it it's a very mild, um, but very pretty. And so they still make it. You can buy Three Kings. Many people swear by it. But there was this feeling. Well, if I'm using Three Kings, I'm using something that's religious, but I'm not violating Jewish law, right? It's... Uh, mm-hmm um another um brand of my youth was called meditation brand um incense and it was made by trappist monks who never spoke um, you know all of these these um things and they claimed also to be using only plants that were found in the bible so there's a there's a lot of um thought that goes into working with Bible plants, Bible incenses, I would recommend anybody who wants to do this start with the things that you can find in the book of Exodus, find your own meanings for them if you can and don't let anybody you know, lead you crazy I mean, maybe cannabis but if they tell you, yeah, but one of them is lavender no, that's (laughs) not true
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's always lavender (laughs)
1: <laughs> well well Deacon, I was speaking of a of a late lamented um colleague of ours, Herman Slater. Um you know who I'm talking about, the magical child um and the warlock shop. He had these different metaphysical stores in New York. They're he put lavender la- it's all lavender all the time. Hundred percent lavender, 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 lavender. Um Um, And, in fact, his most famous faux pas was to publish the recipe for um, Agarbati Chandan and say that it was lavender. And uh, Chandan means sandalwood, and and Agarbati means stick incense. So he published what he was calling a recipe for uh, sandalwood stick incenses, and he's just saying, yeah, just lavender. It's lavender, folks. (laughs) There's another one I'd like to mention, which is mentioned in the Bible, and that is agar, otherwise known as aloes. And I really have to just quickly go through this because this has caused so much confusion. Now I can point people back to this radio show. In psalms 45 there's an oil called the oil of gladness and it says it's made with various ingredients one of which is aloes and most modern people think that means aloe vera the succulent that is used against burns and it is not that is bitter aloes it's extremely bitter not an incense yuck it's very good medicinally not an incense what they mean by aloes wood is what is also known as agar wood or in uh, Arabic, it's known as oud, and um, it is the uh, incense made by the diseased portions of the agar's wood tree, otherwise known as eaglewood. also, tree that has been infected by a fungus which begins to destroy the tree but create this incredibly fragrant, punky pith that is super valuable because it kills the tree eventually. And people go around infecting new trees so that there will always be ways to get this agar wood. And then you can make a resin out of it if you want to. And so that when the Bible mentions aloes, they always mean agarwood. wood. Now that means that there was some um, trade with Indonesia to get that agar wood. And that stuff is incredibly rare. There are people talking about trying to manage it, to have plantations of it, deliberately infecting it with the fungus, and then just, you know, working their way through the plantation and starting over again at the other end, so they will not kill it out. But people um, who are poor in Indonesia will take pieces of the infected trees, um, chop it up, mix it with water, and inject it into healthy trees, and that's not good because they're just killing off the bearer of this fungus, And they'll end up killing the fungus and the trees. So that is what is mentioned in the Bible as aloes. Better to call it aloes wood incense. Yes, and grateful Diana, bitter aloes is aloe vera. That is correct. And agar wood. Oh, and agar is not agar agar, says Miss Michael. That's true, too. The vegetable gelatin of Asia. (laughs) Right. Lots of confusion with the names of incenses. Lots of ancient confusion. Well, thank you, Jeremy. That was a lot of fun. Um, we could have probably talked for another hour on that one. Yeah, we didn't even get to. Come back. back. No, no. It's like there's. It's like it's huge. It's huge. Um, Lots of stuff about incenses. I would re- just recommend people use incense more nowadays. They're kind of cutting back on it, maybe because of the smoke and the lungs and the this and that and the other and the pollution. But incense really has a historical, magical, and religious background that shouldn't be overlooked. All right, we're going to do a reading. And we're going to turn this over to Clifford Lowe. This is a Three cousin show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take it away Clifford
0: All right Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and Located online at luckymojo.com And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners Located online at readersandrootworkers.org And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo Practitioners Receive a reading with a trusted group worker uh, instantly. Call one 884 or visit com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at org. Now it's time to go to the phones and, t- and talk to today's client. Our caller is Tabby, calling from area code 740. Uh, Tabby, are you there? Uh,
3: yes, I am. Thank you so much.
0: Excellent. You indicated you have not um, uh, had readings on this issue, and you write, um, "Howdy there. I am a happy, go lucky twenty-four year old gal who was never really interested in dating until a few months ago. Although I have been approached by potential partners, I always kept things at a friendship level and have been happily celibate. I joke that I am the witch version of a nun. Ha ha. Well, I went into ran into him, a handsome older man who had a total kismet meeting with and." who was happy to wait for anything until I felt ready. And because things went sour, I'm very glad nothing physical happened. However, we are still somewhat in contact and have trouble letting go of him. And I'm wondering if I should run for the hills or attempt to salvage this bond. All right, Miss Kat.
1: All right, Tabby. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we get into the reading. Number one, what sign of the zodiac are you? So
3: I am actually a Virgo.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't quite hear you. Did you say Virgo? Yes. Virgo. Okay. Well, that explains that. And what? Um, <laughs> Virgos are the sign most likely to be celibate. Um, it just happens to be. Somebody had to be it. Um, <laughs> um, and the 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 man him. What sign is he? So he is actually an Aries. Aries. Not a very likely to be celibate sign. Okay. Um, Now, (laughs) that's all right. Now, you said things went sour, and um, I'm curious, did you fight, or was it just a pulling away? Was it distance? What was the sourness? I need to understand that before I do a reading. Of course. Um,
3: Absolutely. Um, So, so there was definitely a little bit of a pulling away. Um, he suffers from uh, depression, and he began to act a little bit cold. And uh, I actually kind of confronted him about it. I, I was like, dude, you're acting weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um And basically, and uh, so he... Um, kind of we're both very dramatic people and so he was basically like well i guess i should spend this winter alone and i was like well i guess you should (laughs) um okay but uh no it was it was a little more it was a little more amicable than that i guess i should say but um yeah very very confusing stuff um
1: (laughs) Wow, okay. Um, all right, so I'm going to do a reading on this now. Um, uh, harsh words can can destroy kismet. It's very sad. All righty, so I'm, what I'm going to do is pull three cards, and I'm going to um, take a look at the question, which is um, should you give up and... Um, and and will you uh, you know be happy with that, or um, should you let him go, and we'll teach you how to do that? In other words, should you run for the hills or attempt to salvage? Okay, card number one I have is not that you should run for the hills, but that he actually did push you away. The card is the Six of Swords, and it shows a sad thin man pulling a a little ferry boat across a river and in it is a woman and um, she's all huddled down like a refugee and there's a child next to her and he's pulling and pulling and making them go away but his boat his ferry boat is filled with swords there are seven excuse me uh, six swords stabbed into the boat And if he lets her off on the other side, she'll get out, and um, that'll be the end of it. She'll get out with her child, and they go, and he's still left with a boat that's leaking with uh, six swords stabbed in it. So I think what he was saying to you, um, in a way, was I'm too depressed, and I cannot cure myself, and I can't pull out of this, and you should be far, far away from me because I'm a troubled person. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't like you or that you failed to save him but it says to me that there's something going on here um, that has been with him for a while the next card is the five of pentacles and this shows um, two people wandering through the snow uh, with crutches ragged clothes a bandage around the head and they're outside of a building that could be a church or a university or a bank it has beautiful stained glass windows and they're out in the snow and the young man has a bell around his neck which was a symbol in the old days of having a chronic illness like leprosy telling people to stay away from you that you were not that you were incurable and he has a bandage around his head which is the old medieval way of showing that there's something wrong with his mind and I think that um, he's saying he's incurable There's something you may have caught him at a good time and then he went into a low cycle, but he's old enough to have known that this keeps happening. I don't think you should um, run like hell, but I don't think you should pursue him because I don't think there's going to be um, a lot of, of happiness with this person based on where we're at. The third card is a card that would presumably be his card. It's the King of Wands. It's a fire sign. could be Aries or Leo or Sagittarius. And this is a man who is a watcher. Of all of the kings, he's the one who's the least engaged and the least active, but he's very, very much an observer and an an intellect. And he's watching all of this play out but he doesn't um show that he has a background in military glory or that he controls a great deal of land unlike the queen of wands who's actually much more powerful the king of wands is just watching we call him the passive king and he's represented by a salamander which is a a fire emblem but it represents steamy wet wood fire not not hot fire so I'm looking at this guy and thinking, he's not um, he's not a bad person, but I see there's something about him that you may have finally hit a cycle in him of his depression, and he has seen it before, and he doesn't want to put you through it the way it has happened before. Okay, So I'm going to turn this over to Dr. Jeremy. And uh, he's going to do a reading. And then Deacon Millett will give you some root work.
2: Oh, wonderful.
1: Um, Hi, this
2: is is Dr. Jeremy. How are you doing?
3: Hi there. I'm doing great. You guys are fantastic. And uh, thank you. Thank you all so much.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. May I ask you a question? What's the age difference? What's your age difference?
3: So uh, that is a very good question, <laughs> um, and I will be very honest. Um, he is a good deal. He is a good deal older than I am. Um, he's about eighteen years older than me, um, so it's quite a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And yeah. may, may I ask how old you are? I am twenty-four. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um, so. While, while you're answering those questions, all right, I'm going to do a bibliomancy, which is my uh, specialty. It's the one that I like to use the most, and um, I'll tell you briefly, there are seven prophetesses of the Bible, and um, I work with them, and what they do is uh, I get to ask them a question, and uh one of them will lead me to uh an answer of the scripture. And while while we're talking, I have pulled I have I have asked one of the prophetesses to step forward and the person who has stepped forward is has who to answer this question is Sarah. Sarah is an interesting woman. She was uh married to Abraham and he was not really a very nice guy actually. Um, you know, uh, he was kind of, um, you know, let's just say he wasn't really a nice guy. So, Sarah would be, um, you know, Sarah, she, she, she became, um, a, uh, a mother when she was like 90, and she was a, a really interesting, um, gal. So, I'm interested to see what she has, has to say. I've asked her your, your question, and I, I go to this table in the book, and this table, I concentrate on your questions, okay? And it tells me to go to table 35. And table 35 refers me to Job 19.19. And Job 19.19 says, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. It's really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that echoes Miss Katz reading just absolutely dead on. I mean, dead on. You've got this guy, and he's saying that the people who know him best, his intimate friends, they 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 see there's something wrong, and um, and and those that uh, he, loved, he, he loves he loves has turned turns turn, turns against him. That's not a good that's not a good omen. I would say that would be uh, Sarah telling you that you should probably let him go.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean What yeah. t-
2: this is a tough one. This is tough. Yeah. It's really hard hard to hear. But with I mean, if you're 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 young, Sarah's an interesting woman. Like she became there was a lot what what she was all about is the fact that um that she, just you know, couldn't have children, and just thought that there was not enough time. You know that she wasn't going to get a, a chance to have children, and 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 she did. She ultimately mm-hmm. she did, and and she was happy. But she she had to wait a long time, and I would say you're you're very young, and that this guy he's he he goes through his. Ups and his downs. That's cool. I mean, you know, we all we all have have our baggage and stuff like that. But you don't want to start off in a relationship uh, behind the eight ball. You know what I mean?
1: hmm I that's, yeah. It's interesting how those two, from coming from two entirely different forms of divination, got to almost exactly the same place. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> i'm i'm uh, very much um interested to see what Deacon Millett will do for root work
2: well i think um hello and um thank you for joining us i I've certainly had my share of similar experiences um and if you have a hard time letting go and you feel like you're your heart just isn't releasing him, um, cut and clear uh, is a very definite um, possibility for you. You can uh, get cut and clear oil, uh, burn cut and clear candles. Guess you should do cut and clear incense since you're on today's program, um, but I think that cut and clear bath crystals are the best. I think that bathing is really important. Um, You don't sound like you'd have to go all the way to a black walnut bath to let him go. If you're just feeling a little bit uh, shaken and having a little bit of a hard time letting him go, um, I would turn to St. Dymphna, who I work with on a regular basis for my clients, and St. Dymphna is the patron saint of the mentally ill, Um, and uh, I would um, work with St. Dymphna and pray for his recovery, not because you're praying that he comes back to you um, and reconciles with you, but because you want him to be well, um, just maybe not present in your life. Um, and I have found that, that when you pray to, to let um, other people find their path, to let other people have healing, that it is much easier um, for them to just kind of release themselves from your life and move on rather than... than Taking your heart and trying to harden it, trying to push them away, trying to forget about them—that that none of those things ever seem to work. Where mm-hmm. praying for someone's um, someone's recovery uh, and that they will have a happy life, but just maybe not with you—is um, is a much easier way to to let go. And certainly will do him some good because you you clearly uh, care about him. Um, But one of the things we all have a problem with is loving people who are inappropriate partners. And, (laughs) um, you know, just because you love somebody and they love you does not mean that you can have each other in your lives. Sometimes it means that you can't, <laughs> because it makes one or the other of <laughs> you absolutely crazy. Um, so don't think that this means you don't love him. Um, you can love him and pray for him, and still let him go. And that may be truly the easiest path for you. So, thank them um, incense. Thank them the map crystals. Lucky Mojo has has nice. I think Dymphna supplied, and she is very giving and um, very gentle and uh, wonderful
1: to work with. Yeah, I'd like to add a, a little something about that. Um, Grateful Diana said her heart needs ease, and that is something I would add. It, cut and clear can be a little, you know, firm. But you might want to add some violet leaves to that. Violet leaves are called heart's ease. Pansies are called heart's ease. And they will uh, soften that feeling that you might worry about having done too much, too harsh. When you do a cut and clear, you don't say to the person, never darken my door again. You will have nothing to do with me. You're simply setting aside that way that you were together just cutting it down carrying it off clearing the path and he may end up a friend you might find that there is some sort of a connection there but i don't believe that given the cards we got and the reading that jeremy got i don't believe there's going to be a future here so praying to saint dimphina on someone's behalf Is a very generous thing to do now if you may not be Catholic and say well why would I pray to st. Dimpton I'm not a Catholic Uh, just understand that these entities these beings like st. Dimpton are culturally transcendent in many ways and if you're not a Catholic you could just look her up and see why she is appealed to for those who have mental stress and mental disorders praying at the Shrine of St. Dimphna, or lighting a candle to St. Dimphna on someone's behalf is a great act of charity. All right. Well, here comes our fabulous music, which foretells the uh, coming of the announcement from outer space and the inner world of not Bernard Herrmann.
0: And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 7 to 8. All time specific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempoMirium.com in Seattle, Washington. Take it away, Dr. Jeremy
2: Weiss. Oh, all right. Well, this is a fun spell. Um, this uh, I call it, this is a bridging spell because we're going to bridge it for a, a bunch of subjects together. This spell um, is a spell to remove curses that are preventing financial success, and it uses incense from the Bible. And this spell uh, can be found in this strange and interesting book. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of it. It's called The Genuine Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau. Have you heard of that book, Miss Kat? I sure have. <laughs>
1: oh
2: <laughs> Well this this spell comes straight out of there and it has it has two great aspects to it um that help us bridge our show. Um, because, like I said, the first one is that it has biblical incense. And the second one is that it has knots in it. And I'm going to be teaching this class on knot magic at the 2022 Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival this year. So get your tickets this year, folks. Get them, get them while they're hot because things are going. Things are happening. Okay, here it is. The Spell to Remove curses preventing financial success. Measure your body from head to toe, and then you take nine threads of pure silk each, and, and they're, they're cut to that same length that you know from head to toe. And then you hold them parallel, okay, in your palm, and you're going to tie on, on those strings all together, tie nine knots at equal spaces, okay? Tie this knotted belt around yourself as an amulet. Okay. To be worn around the waist like, like a belt, you know, and don't let anyone see it. And if you're working in the hoodoo tradition, this is where I'd love your, 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 your transcendent cultural trends. That was a beautiful word. If you're working in the hoodoo Mm -hmm. tradition or the Jewish tradition, you you burn frankincense and myrrh. And you can do that in front of a picture of St. Joseph, Joseph, the worker. Now, uh, um, and, and you do this for nine days, and on the ninth, you remove the knotted string and you burn it along with the incense. Now, I don't often use Joseph the Worker, but just like you said, it's a culturally transcendent aspect of the divine. I, I often use um, Deborah as an intercessor because she was an entrepreneur of four different Successful business enterprises, but you could use like Shea Guevara or maybe maybe you want to use Caesar Shabbat, or like Abby Hoffman, right? Uh, wait, wait, These whoa, are whoa, All
1: it's, different interests. But Shea Guevara didn't have a business. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's too, this is you. Yes, I
2: understand that. But but uh, this is a spelling that you can adapt. With your appropriate intercessor for for, for preventing whatever your financial
1: uh, is, is
2: preventing your financial success. Yes.
1: Okay. All right. I got it. Maybe if you were growing marijuana, Chagovara would be a good one. He was used a lot as an emblem of cannabis uh, culture during the illegal times of cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know.
2: Uh, uh you know Michael Moore if you're uh like from Flint Michigan and are an auto
1: worker. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, this this spell is interesting because the burning the silk is what I would call an atypical incense because silk being animal protein will not smell a fragrant in the normal it's sense. Dangerous. If you've ever It stinks, yes. If you ever burned a silk cloth, you'll know that it's a bad smell. So it's interesting. I would recommend you get the frankincense and myrrh going and get a really good couple of lungfuls of that and then put that knot on. But that goes to what you were talking about earlier about bad smells being used to drive away bad conditions. Mm -hmm. And. That spell from Genuine Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau, as far as I can tell, was first written or recorded by Zora Neale Hurston, the African-American folklorist who wrote a good um, two-thirds of the book that became Genuine Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau. But there's other authors as well. And um, she mentions the the, um, the picture of St. Joseph because she was collecting folklore in New Orleans, Louisiana, where there were a lot of petitioners. And so a statue of St. Joseph the Worker would have been really good for financial success. And uh, that's that's why. It's not just because, hey, he's Jesus' stepdad. It's because he really was a worker. He was a carpenter, taught Jesus the carpentry trade. That's right, that's right. Well, it's an interesting overlap between knot spells and Bible magic. And it's real, um, I really thank you for bringing that one to the foreground because it really shows how hoodoo um, twirled and, and twined itself with various ideas. The nine knots. Nine is a real African number of veneration. Other cultures have it, but it's really important in African tradition. Wearing the knotted belt around the waist is similar to medieval French monks. Um, In the Louisiana French Creole tradition, where the, the person who's the root worker wears a knotted belt and then hits you, gently, with the knotted end of the belt as a form of blessing or driving out evil, which derives from old French um, traditions of Franciscan monks and so forth doing that, but it's become used in a free-form, non-canonical, uh, non-church way. So the whole thing is like this this blend of African and French and um, Jewish traditions and it's truly a creole spell
2: yeah very. Yeah, it, and, yeah and it has nine nine silk strings so it's the it has the nine knots in nine strings it has that yes. theme. that yeah that's theme. the
1: african theme to it i would also say something about the silk um It's very likely that Zoranelle Hurston got this spell from a woman. A lot of the practitioners in New Orleans were women who were seamstresses and dressmakers. And I have documented a lot of them and found them in the census. We don't know who she got this from. But uh, the idea of having enough silk to do that, you'd have to be a dressmaker. And that probably wouldn't have been thin silk threads. It would have been what's called buttonhole twist. So you all just go look up Silk Buttonhole Twist. All right, we're going to turn this over to uh, Clifford, and he's going to take us out of here, and then we'll come back and say goodbye.
0: Thank you, Ms. Cat and Deacon Millett, and thank you, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of, uh, of com, and Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Doc Murphy of com and the Twin Cities of Paganistan and Minnesota on the topic of signs, movement, and resolution in spell work. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Huda Roodle Power, brought to you the Lucky Mojo Curia Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via Lucky Mojo form at forum.luckymojo.com, and Deacon can at fouralters.org in the high desert of California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from Clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Huda Roodle Power can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and good night.
1: All right. Thank you. All righty. So, folks, time to get your tickets and time to... Get involved with the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Also, uh, as you may notice, lots of new members joining AIR. Give them a a chance. Go and get a a reading with some of these new folks. Um, There's uh, uh, Heidi Holton, um, Ilona Bliss, Dr. D, and there's more to come. We're just about to bring um, Deborah Voice on, a wonderful old-time friend of mine. She's joining AIR. We're going to have a lot of new folks. Uh, uh, Reverend James is new. It's been one thing after another, and it's going to lead up to um, our own Clifford Lowe joining air very soon as we work our way yes. through these f- folks. <laughs> so hooray for air, and um, get your tickets. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>